Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello there, welcome to this week's Premier League Tonight podcast. I'm Jay Comfrey. This week I was joined at Vicarage Road by Owen Hargreaves, Glenn Hoddle and Martin Keown following our live coverage of Everton visiting Watford live on BT Sport. Now don't forget the Premier League is live on BT Sport throughout the season and of course you can catch up with all the best moments on the BT Sport app as well as our dedicated social media platforms. Um, lots of reactions still coming in for the game that we've just seen. Tim says Everton seem to have no attacking structure. Very boring to watch. Is this tactics or players? Well, we've just talked about the fact that the guys think that Sam was pretty culpable today. Matt Honeyman, I can't see Allardyce being at Everton much longer. Imagine being a fan forced to follow a team that plays such negative football. Awful. Uh, those are the thoughts of some Everton fans. Let's get the uh, Watford uh, reaction. Here's Andy. And breathe a huge three points for Watford at Vicarage Road today, 1-0 against Everton. Troy Deeney with the winner in the second half. It was a pretty uh, pretty ugly affair, but sometimes you just got to win ugly. And that is a massive three points with results going our way as well in the day. Come on, you want it! <laughs> no wonder they're happy. We had to wait for a bit of excitement, didn't we, Glenn? And, you know, the guys were yeah. giving plenty of praise to Javi Gracia that he made the decision to go for the game, brought on two attacking players and got the rewards. Yeah, he did. He, he actually went uh, with two in midfield as well and he put the two up front, played really like old-fashioned wingers out wide, high and level with the centre uh, forwards. And really, Everton, I felt, that was their opportunity maybe to get a 3v2 in midfield and dictate the play. Yeah. They didn't. They made strange choices. I thought Sam made his choices just as the game was opening up a bit. You feel that Sigurdsson and Rooney started to get some space and he, he, he decided to take them off. Because uh, Sam came out afterwards and made no bones about the fact that he was criticising his attacking players. Mm. He just said in the, in the final third, no. we weren't good enough, but the approach it's was also key. Not, no disrespect. 22 players out there weren't good enough for Premier League standard. There's no doubt about that. It was an awful game. We can't get away from that, but there yeah. was one bit of magic uh, from Deeney. But it's over now. <laughs> it was bad for a long time, wasn't it? But as I say, we've got something at the end. Right, let's have a look at uh, the rest of the action from the Premier League today because it has been a busy old day. Hudding for the drop. These get better and better, don't they? Alan Pardew and West Brom are in serious trouble. Huddersfield with a crucial win over them today. Monarch of the Glen. No, Glen Murray uh, on target today. Brighton scored four goals as well. Impressive for them. Geordie surely not. Do you watch Geordie Shaw, Glen? No. No, I didn't yeah. think so. Uh, <laughs> There's no <laughs> way. <laughs> well, uh, Newcastle threw away a two-goal lead today. They're from 2-0 um, up to 2-all, and their fans have made that 350-mile trip to go to the South Coast to watch them playing. It was really very difficult for them. Right, let's get some reaction. First of all, let's talk West Brom. Natalie and Josh are West Brom fans. Here's what they made of today. 
Pardew needs to leave. His reign has been a complete and unmitigated disaster. Um, and we need to start now planning long term for the championship and he is clearly not the man uh, to guide us out of that division. So yeah, absolutely disastrous. It looks like we're going down now. You can say should we have got rid of Tony Pulis, but he, he looked to have been out of ideas, to be honest. Hindsight's a wonderful thing. And I just implore anyone to look at the stats for the back end of Tony Pulis' reign at the Albion. It was him who originally got us in this mess. He was the one that kind of broke down the confidence of the players. Yes, it's got worse under Pardew, but uh, sacking Pulis, absolutely the right decision. In the build-up to today's game, you were saying that the, the mistake was West Brom's for sacking Tony Pulis. Why would you sack a manager who virtually guarantees you to stay in the Premier League, guarantees you survival? You can't all of a sudden hire a man and say he keeps you in the Premier League and halfway through a season decide that his philosophy doesn't suit the way you play. But how, Obviously the fans turned. How long though do you rely on saying a manager guarantees you survival when clearly under that manager they were looking like they were going to get relegated? Them up Why? Based on what? Because he's always done it traditionally. Mm. Look, they don't play easy on the eye. Yeah, but they, they employed him because they knew he played that way. You can't halfway through a season expect players to play more offensively with the same personnel. They're worse off. It's the club's own fault for changing it, it, philosophy halfway through a season. It, it owns right. It's easier to go the other way. To make a team defend and get behind the ball, yeah. and sometimes like Tony does, they're six. The back four never never came out of the wit for the 18-yard box. Sometimes the wingers had to come back. It was like almost like a back six. It's easier to do that than go the other way, like an Alan Pardew or anyone else. We yeah. want to play a little bit more football. We've now got to be a bit more creative. That is a real true test of a manager, and it's a tough tougher one when when the players have just been drilled how to defend, 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 and hopefully hit teams on the break. But we can't forget though, can we? How bad that football was under Tony Pulis towards the end of his time at West Brom. Yes, they had no win in 10 when he lost his job. He wasn't looking like he was doing what was needed to keep them up sure, at the time. For sure, but you know, the players are almost brainwashed into playing in a, in a certain way and they've got to become better players overnight. They're in a dreadful position as they were. Pulis has gone. If Pulis had stayed, perhaps they might have been an opportunity to turn it around. But they employed a manager in Pardew that we were all looking at. This is a last chance saloon for him because he's not done well in the Premier League in recent times. been sacked himself and they'd gone for it with him, and that was, that was the wrong decision. So, so you think it was the wrong decision to go with Clearly Alan? it was the wrong decision. And at the time, I, I think I questioned it and said, this is his last chance now in the Premier League. There seems to be a merry-go-round where but, managers are on. Well, and my he's point, been on that. My point is, whoever, whoever was going to go in there at West Brom to turn them around mid-season, from the way they've been drilled mm. and the way they play, to suddenly say, oh, the... And, and the fans have got to take some... They do, yeah, 100%. Notice, they? they do, because yeah. Because they're the ones that... Their voices became so strong, didn't exactly. they? Yeah. So they've got to look at that themselves and say, we wanted change, all right, it's... Looks like it's not the right man, but whoever was going to go in there, yeah. they, he needed really a pre-season. He needed to go in there at the right time, and if they st kept with Tony Pulis, then they might have sat him down and said, "Look, we can't stand this anymore. We need to look at a different way of playing. You need to, you are you good enough as a coach and your staff to open the team up a bit more and get the balance right?" Jake, the point is, the new manager had to come in. He had to play more football. He had to play more expansive because yeah. that's why you get the job. But I, I'm with Glenn to so do it mid-season with a group of players that have played a certain way for what four or five yeah. years it's impossible but to turn that around do, in, in, in a week or two what he had to do is get early results yeah. so that everybody buys into this change and when we when yeah. you hear this message from a manager and we say, hold on a minute he thinks we're better than we are we can't play the way he wants get results everyone's listening eventually it's like the manager's making all this noise and you get an us and them situation the recent stuff in the press 
you know, the taxi abroad. Mm. The wisdom in actually going abroad wow. in the first place. They played on the Monday, they travelled on the Tuesday, they got a game on the Saturday in the FA Cup, having beat, knocked yeah. out Liverpool in the previous round. What on earth's going on there? Wait, it's wait, not professional. Martin, when you're bottom of the, the, the... It changes. If you're top of the league, you take a bit of a risk nowadays going away. If you're bottom of the league, you don't go away. Yeah. It's as simple yeah. as but do you that. Think the, num- the football comes first. Then yeah. Do you think he's trying to just get the players a, a bit of camaraderie and maybe you know yeah, create some positive vibe? Maybe get you know maybe yeah. bring them together, hoping it could turn it around. Because you know managers sometimes they like to try and bring players together, and use got, that camaraderie. I, I don't know about you, yeah, but, I, but I, I, I was relegated as a player at Aston Villa, and, and I couldn't. I, I didn't want to see the players yeah. every day. I didn't. Want, I couldn't stand the back of them. To take me away on a holiday for You might have week. had a bit of sun, though. You to take like me it. on a holiday was dangerous for everybody. <laughs> to be honest, I, I to get away well, it didn't help <laughs> It didn't help at all. Martin for a knowledge would have been dangerous. It did nothing to help the camaraderie, to create a bit no, of team go spirit. back to your families, you, you know, that support base. Try to recover that way. A nice, good you week at the training ground. You take a risk. And I've got to say, it's, you know, mainly it's the British players that let him down as well. Mm. I've got to say, it's that old team spirit one. Let's have a it few wasn't just British players, though. It was, yeah. it was players you would never expect that from, wasn't it? It's it was like what you described as a solid pro, and they're off doing all sorts of daft things. It was an accident waiting to happen. Liverpool went to Dubai. They had a nice trip. You can understand that. It's halfway through their season. There will be Champions League games ahead, and they used it in the right way. But West Brom and Albums should have been in the West Midlands working as a team and building for, towards the weekend. OK, let's get um, the thoughts of Alan Bajer. He spoke after the game. Our record over the last 37 games speaks for itself really. We've got to try and find uh, some performances and we've got to all stand up. There's no point me defending myself or defending players. We've got to stand up. I'm going to stand up and manage the team and they've got to stand up and give us performances where uh, we get 7 out of 10, 8 out of 10, 9 out of 10 performances. We're not getting those at the moment. We didn't have enough of those today for sure. So his last 37 results speak for themselves, but the last 14 results also speak for themselves. They've won one in 14 since he came in. The whole point of changing a manager mid-season is the, is the lift, isn't it? And they just simply have had nothing. Well, he's now talking like he maybe should have been talking when he first took the job, that this is a collective problem that they've had and he's got to try and turn it around. And he's not been able to do that. He's not had any kind of reaction. Uh, and he's probably waiting. It wouldn't surprise me maybe if they get rid of him before the end, before the end of the season. You know, that's the, the dilemma for them now. What would you do? I don't think I'd change it for now. I don't think there's any benefit. They're going to go down. Mm. They're, they're seven points adrift. It, they may as well um, try to turn it around between now and see an improvement between now and into the season, but start to make a long-term plan to put the club back where, 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 well, where it belongs, well, back in the Premier League. That's what they need to do and find, recognise, identify the right man to do the job. So the, if you think they've already gone down, do you think Alan Pardew is the right man that's to get the them back at the championship? The they've got to look at who they think yeah. is the right man. If they don't think it's Alan... Then he's got to change. Uh, this isn't getting beat at home to Arsenal or Tottenham yeah. or Manchester. They, they don't this score away from no home, Huddersfield. Yeah, Huddersfield. They don't score away from home. Batting down yeah. there as well at home. So are they going to get turned that around? They're not going to turn it around. So the long t- you have to look at the long term. What's going to be right if we do go down? How are we going to play in the Championship? Who do we want? Do, do we want to bring kids through? What's the philosophy? Everything mm. that can draw a line under that, almost now. If it's Alan Pardew, then we back him. If not, bring someone in now and, 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 and start planning. I think they're, Look, they've got, well, they got 10 games left. They can, they, they can still stay up. I know it, it's going to be... Can much, they? Yeah, they can, yeah. If they, they need to find a way to get some wins now, quick. I know, yeah. it's, I know it sounds 
10 games, 30 you points. You, you simply they it can. sounds like they're giving up. But what are they? Seven points, seven, seven points, points adrift. adrift. Yeah. Two wins 30 yeah. points changes yeah. the whole picture. Yeah, yeah, 10 games does. left. Yeah, but they've won one in 14. You can't tell me they've they're won relegated. one in 14. I understand that, but you can't tell me they're relegated. Everybody said Swansea were, were dead and buried. They're, they're, out of the, they're almost out of it now. So The problem is, though, they I need mean, to turn around. Very little evidence. They could go and win three games on the trot and still not be out of trouble. We've seen teams down the bottom yeah. do that. Yeah. But you've, for them to be now suddenly consistent and, and, and get three wins, a couple of draws, and then another three wins, yeah. it's not going to I think, though, if you're still a player, you know, well, when we're, we're playing five at the back one week and four the next, I want some stability. Mm. If it's about us now as a team, let's build what's, our, what's going to be it, our yeah. team. How are we going to get out of trouble? Is Burnley away? Uh, is it Burnley next week? There you go. Well, this is what they've got. So they've got Watford, Leicester, here, Bournemouth, yeah. Burnley, Swansea all coming up. And, wow. And then after that, they've got Liverpool, United and Tottenham. So basically, those five games those those five games fixtures. will decide their season. Are yes, they not winnable that's, fixtures? That's giving them yeah, a little bit of you, hope, Wouldn't you it? say today was a winnable fixture? Yeah, of course it is. But I'm saying, you can't tell me they're dead and buried with, with ten games to play. But that, well, the chance they've got is they're in this mini-league. They're in the mini-league. Yeah, they are, Forget yeah. about playing Tottenham. Or not. If you lose yeah. that game, this is a mini-league that they can take the three points yeah, away and gain the three They're points. almost in a league of their own, though. They're so cut well, off yeah, now with seven points. And this, the next game's a cup final. That, see what happens. That's what they've got to turn it into. Yeah. OK, well, let's talk about another team who uh, have been in and around the relegation scrap this season, Newcastle, and their fans had that huge trip today, didn't they? All the way from Newcastle, all the way to the south coast, leading 2-0. With 10 minutes to go, and then it all goes wrong. Alex was there watching the game. So Newcastle are 2 0 up against Bournemouth at half time. Dwight Gale, what a performance. Newcastle have been brilliant, unbelievably good. They're rubbish. We're going to win this game 4 5. So we're sat here after Newcastle threw away a two goal lead at Bournemouth. Um, a good result. I'll definitely take 2 2 before kick off. You know, there's teams in the relegation zone, like the Swansea Stoke. That we've either you know at least kept our distance with them or extended the the gap. Good point for the lads. It feels bad right now, but I'm sure we'll wake up in the morning and we'll see the league table. You know, we're, we're on the right track. We're in good form. We're hard to beat, and I'm sure we'll stay up. He knows that they've really started to turn things around the last few games, but it's one of those results, isn't it, where you go away from home, you get to a draw, and it feels like a defeat. <laughs> Poor bloke at the end, his body language was just like deflated. <laughs> it was philosophical at the end. We'd have oh. taken 2-2 two -two before the game, but certainly not at half-time. You know, it's just, if you're going to be a Newcastle fan, I suppose that yeah. goes with it, doesn't it? And we're going to have Rafa Benitez back at Anfield, aren't we, on BT Sport next weekend. Um, it looks like, whereas we're just talking about a West Brom team who are showing very little in the fight for survival, Newcastle have just found a bit of fight yeah. and spirit, haven't they? Yeah, they have, yeah, no doubt. That, you know, the, win, the win at home against United just lifted the whole club. There's no doubt about that. And 2-0 and up, they'll be distraught that they've given them that away. But uh, there's worse places to, to, to ever to. What do you do as a manager in that situation? How do you switch the players' minds very quickly onto the fact they've, they've still got a point away from home in a relegation fight? That's a, that's a major point because they've backed it up with points. If they'd have got beaten today, then a lot of the, lot of the good performances they've had in this little mini run is, is no good. It's just knocking you back down into that little mini league that we're talking about. They've got enough to start. There's no doubt about that. And Credit Rafa. Rafa like you know, he signed some good players in, in, in the window, which I think have made a big difference. It's also worked well with team. the ones like LaSalle's and, and Shelby. They're now turning into leaders within that group. And, yeah. you know, you can see a decent team there now. Uh, we're going we're gonna to move the conversation on to away trips. There was a bit of a nightmare away trip today for Newcastle fans. They were 2-0 up a few minutes to go. They drew two all. It's still a point away from home, but it got us thinking about nightmare away trips. And here's what you had to say. The worst away trip I have ever done is Dynamo Kiev away in 2015. I don't know what I was thinking. I went on my own, it poured with rain, the game finished nil-nil, I got stuck there for an extra night, and straight after the game, I got walloped round the face by a Kiev fan. 
worst by a mile. Never going back there unless we get to the Champions League final this year, of course. So it's Sunday night, Palace have beaten Peterborough 2-1 the day before. Wilfred Zaha's had a blinder and he gets called up to the England first team to play Sweden on the Wednesday night. I make the decision there and then, I'm going. Book my tickets. Suffice to say, plane tickets are really expensive to Sweden last minute. Um, fly out there, scrape a ticket in the home end and um, he gets on in the 87th minute and touches the ball twice, I think. I've seen Kevin Horlock sent off for walking aggressively. I've seen Alan Shearer score the fastest ever Premiership goal before I decided to take my seat. Michael Owen scoring in extra injury, extra time at Old Trafford to get them the game. But I think the worst ever game, 8-1 away at Middlesbrough. An absolute disgrace where the players all down tools. My longest away trip was Bournemouth in 1989. The coach down was supposed to take 11 hours. It ended up taking 16 hours, I think. We got into the match 25 minutes in, missed the Newcastle goal by Mick Quinn. Bournemouth equalised, Bournemouth got a winner. We got back in the coach at full time and then did like another 12 hour drive back home. It was, as a 13 year old, it was one of the most horrific experiences of my life. But I'm still doing it, so what does that tell you? It tells you that that's what football's about. It's not about seeing your team win every single week. It's about going through the mill, having these kinds of stories. I mean, you guys must have some stuff. I remember when we first started working together, um, Felix McGapp was at Fulham and we were chatting about his style of management. Didn't you tell us about some... Yeah, he was, some... He was interesting, Felix McGapp, I must say. I mean, <laughs> this, I mean, this is a group of players that you know, has won the league virtually every season in the Cup, won the Champions League. We had Otmar Hitzfeld, who was, was the ultimate kind of gentleman, yeah. calm. Um, and the players were underperforming, so they got Felix Magadan. He was a bit of a drill sergeant, kind of one of the players who worked incredibly hard. So we played an away game, uh, and we lost. Where and, was it? Uh, I forgot where it was, but anyway, we've come home, and the airport was about an hour away from the training ground, and all our cars. So normally we'd leave the cars there, and then we'd we drive home. So he says, "No, you have to go to the training ground." So we've gone to the training ground. This is after the game. So what time is this now? Like probably, I think it, was, it must have been ten, ten or eleven o'clock at night. So the game was at three o'clock. Yeah. Finish it probably at five. Then you get on the plane, yeah. come home, get in the car. Everyone thinks they're going to go home to the families. He said, right, lads, get changed. We're going to do another 90-minute session. You were rubbish today. And we had to no. train again for another 90 minutes the same day of the game after we lost. How was the weather? Freezing. And it was dark. <laughs> and you had to put the floodlights on. It was ridiculous. And all the lads were yeah. looking around. It was full of internationals, you know, just really world-class players. And then we thought, oh, my goodness. I think even the club then thought, didn't you once tell me that he made you all stand in position as well on a, on a field? He did, yeah. What was that? He must have watched the game back and he thought, well, you guys didn't run in the game, so he just made us stand in the same position. What, in training? Yeah, he <laughs> just made you stand there. He said, well, you didn't run in the game, so just stand there and, and do the, the same thing. The beat them 3-1. <laughs> How long were you standing there for? I don't remember. Look, he had, he had, some, interesting, uh, yeah. he had some interesting theories on football, I must say. How long did he last at Bayern? Well, the thing is, he won two doubles. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> because he, he got us working. But the problem right. is, everybody fell out of love. You know, everybody... Yeah. I mean, it was quite... Uh, the, first, the second season, everybody was trying to play in to get into a World Cup, which was mm. in Germany. So everybody wanted to be fit. As soon as that finished in the summer, the wheels fell off and he got the right, sack. Right. And I think it was about December. <laughs> Played awful football. He won two doubles. Um, go on away trips. What have you got for us, Martin? <laughs> Probably Shakhtar Donetsk playing away there and we, uh, we arrived at the hotel and there was hardly a light on in the building so we thought maybe this might be a bit dodgy when we got there and I remember going into the rooms on the landing and everybody was sort of shuffling with their keys and as we went in everyone simultaneously bounced back out again into the hallway to say I can't believe the state of my room mm. and it was like prison beds, yeah. little bits of wallpaper, no curtains, uh, a big hole in the window for ventilation. What year would this have been? And, um, this was around about 2000 right. and it was 
unbelievable. We had blood on the wall. There was, oh. it was, we moved the beds into the middle because the walls were damp. We went downstairs for our meal and we had our, our own chef there. We had, to, we had our own bedding because there were fleas in, in the beds. It was, we were trying to play a football match the next day. And we arrived at the, hotel, the, the, the ground, the next, beautiful ground, by the way. And we, we should have slept in the dressing room because <laughs> it was the only place that seemed to be decent. That was um, probably the worst away trip I've been. And how did the game go? We lost as well. Did you? I made it worse. I shouldn't even have been there. I scored two goals in the first game. And some reason I was... You scored two. Very unusual. Well, and Wenger, for some reason, Wenger took myself and Lee Dixon there as the senior players. We didn't really want to play, <laughs> if I'm honest. We, we'd already qualified. Um, there was a sol- smell of sulphur from a nearby mine coming over the pitch. You could hardly breathe on the pitch. So it was a, all round a, a really bad night for us. Good trip. Good trip. Like a good trip. That's, that's like going to East Germany, yeah, years ago. Similar. Really? <laughs> no, mine was, mine was personally, was, was got to be Prague out in old Czechoslovakia. Oh, it was gorgeous, though. No, but this, 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 it wasn't Prague, it was <laughs> out in the outside. <laughs> oh, was it? We flew into Prague. <laughs> but it was, for me, way. it was the second leg, and there was a fellow that tried to kick lumps out of me in the first leg. Rats was his name, right. and he had long hair. And, and second, second leg, I'm thinking, it was like the... the, the the dressing room was like dungeons. It was it was dreadful. Twenty minutes. Ray Clements. I've silly. I've shouted for the ball in the centre of the pitch. Ray Clements has thrown me a ball. Got me back to play. I've, I've had a little look. Think he's coming from there, but he's coming from the other side. I get a shout from Crooksy. Hod, he's coming to get you. So I think oh, I know what I'm going to do. So I flick it this way round him, and I think, see you, sucker. And as I turn, <laughs> I turn straight into him, he's hit me with everything. Fourteen stitches later, oh. tore my groin. So I'm I'm stretched yeah. off. So this place, Did he get a red card? No, no, nothing. I don't know, I was on the <laughs> But we go back in, the doctor's forgot his bag on yeah. the coach, left the oh. coaches eight miles away. So we're now in this place, and I'm telling you now, it was, they were like guitar stitches in your forehead oh. there. And he gets a bottle of whiskey, and he goes like that, and he goes, I go, what are you, you going to do? He's, Tipping that, he drinks it himself. He <laughs> thought he was putting it on the wound. I thought he was going to give it to me. I thought he was going to give it to me. <laughs> and that is, I'm staring up and he's doing stitches in me forehead in this place. In, yeah, you can see him now. Yeah, I can see the sky. It was, it that's was, a bad away trip. Ooh, ooh. That's a bad that's away a bad trip. Way, yeah. Coming home, you know, you're on a crutch because you can hardly walk. The groin was, was bad enough. Yeah. But stitch the terrible, terrible trip. Don't want to ever go back there again. They've changed, though, haven't they, these away trips? I remember chatting to someone the other day and they, uh, and they, they were telling me they were trying to get hold of Brian Clough to do a post-match chat and they, he was saying, I'd love to do it, but I've promised the lads fish and chips on the coach on the way home. They're going to shut the chippy unless we get on the coach. It, it, it's very different now, though, isn't it, these, the away trips? I remember having fish and chips on, on the bus. Is that the standard thing? Well, it was, it was almost like um, a reward if we'd done well, fish and chips on the way home. Um, that long journey back whenever you went up north to Wenger wouldn't have allowed fish and chips don't tell me that no it, 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 these things slipped away w- yeah. with us and Wenger I must say was we had to get back to the airport as quick as possible so we, for our flight I mean back in the day I mean with George Graham we'd often travel up the M6 and we were almost we were lost you know it was like we'd never going to get there we'd eat all the food for the next day because you know the pre-match meals going there, we'd get all the food for the next day, <laughs> and we'd turn up sometimes ten o'clock at night. We're playing Liverpool the next day, and we, we set off in good time. Right. But the journey was, was forever. Would you ever be allowed a drink on the like back in the the eighties and nineties? Yeah. Were you ever allowed a drink on the coach after a on game the on way the way back? back? Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, we were, we were sponsored by Holston. <laughs> Easy then. They're crates in the back of the back of the bus. That was a great. You know, it was great coming back from Sunderland if you'd won or somewhere like that. Like, <laughs> like lovely seven hours <laughs> session on the coach. Compulsory, yeah. Brilliant. None of that for you though. 
Nah, it's too young. No, Bayern was sponsored by you know uh, Edding, which is a big uh, beer sponsor as well. So if you got a good result, there was always a few. <laughs> We've seen the size of the coach. beer glasses. They were, yeah. Steiner beer. <laughs> Very good. I enjoyed that chat. Uh, right, let's uh, let's talk about this this Paul Scholes comeback from last week. It, I mean, it flew on social media after the show. It's had well over one and a half million views as Paul talked about the the sort of story of deciding that he wanted to come back. You you played in that game for City, didn't you? In, in his comeback game. Yeah, I mean, I mean, look, Scalzi should have never retired anyway. Forget Man United, he should have never retired from England. I mean, yeah. Scalzi was always the best. But yeah, I remember him coming on and he, was bri- he played brilliant in the game as well. It was like he, like he hadn't been away. And what's it like, he talks about having the, I suppose, the luxury of deciding that he wanted to come back and play and then deciding again after a chat with Sir Alex to retire again. For you, it was taken out of your hands completely. Yeah, I mean, for me, my dad ended up playing football longer than I did. He still plays now. I mean, I, had, I virtually had to retire at probably, I think I was, the injury I got when I had it, when I found out my knee was really bad, I was probably 28. We had just come off winning the league in the Champions League and I found out how bad my tendon was. And I just couldn't, I just thought, remember the surgeon saying to me, I'm not sure you're ever going to come back from this. And I thought, what? What do you mean I'm never going to come back from this? I've been playing professional football for 10 years. And by the time I realised how bad it was, it was a salvage job for me. And sadly, I never made it back. I tried to come back, but I was uh, a bit like Prince. You know, when he started to change his name, he was formerly known as. Yeah. I, was, I was, should have been formerly known as Owen Argus because I wasn't the same. I tried to come back and I never made it. And for a player, these guys all know, you earn your living by working hard and playing and dedication and trusting, you know, using your body. And then it's almost like taken away from you in a flash. And it's weird to process because what gets you there is it's having those physical capabilities and all of a sudden the blink in the eye, they change. And it's, it's a weird thing to process really of to be there winning a Champions League yeah. and probably four months later, a surgeon saying to you, I'm not sure you're ever going to play again. Wow. So did you carry injuries as a young player before, before you, you hit your peak in the mid-2000s or not? Look, everybody gets injured, but I never had an injury, injury like that. I just, that injury that I had with my tendon. I played the, my first full season at Man United. I think I played about 37 games. We won the league, Champions League. And, um, and then I, virtu- I had these injections into my tendon and virtually I was just like, I was just different. From, from then on, I just, my, knee, my knee was never the same. I, I mean, I had a house which I bought when I moved to, to, to Manchester. I couldn't go up the stairs because I couldn't come back down. What? Yeah. I was in so much pain. So I used to just stay downstairs. I used to, I used to just lay, I used to lay on the couch, couldn't, couldn't get back up the stairs. I think that's one of the things that kids don't understand. It's better for them, it really is, with the conditions that they've got. Mm. But one of the things that you have to teach a player is to say you've got to play with injuries. You've got I to wish learn I would, how yeah. to play I wish with I would have said, my knee is killing me. I, yeah. w- I wish I would have said that. But what got me there was my hard work and dedication mm. and, play- and playing through pain, which all these guys got, would have done. done. It's something that you don't get taught. Yeah. You don't get taught that at the beginning. It's all about the technical side or defending and the fitness <laughs> and the mental side. But someone should have sat people down back in the day. And even now, how are you going to play when you're not 100% fit? Because that nine times out of ten, players are not I, fit. You're not un- and you have to adapt. You have to have the strength of mind. You have to, to adapt your body. You know there's certain things that you can't do. You, you have injections. I play with cracked ribs. You play with cortisone in your knee, Achilles heel. Two years playing with Achilles heel before I had it inject, uh, operated on is a nightmare every morning. Getting out of bed and you can hardly walk. You're like an old man when I was 24. And these are sacrifices that no yeah. fan sees. I, I used to feel like I, I, can, I can play with five injuries, but I can't play with six. I, I mean, 
I have some empathy, really, because I had exactly the same injury. It's a patella yeah. tendon. And if you get Oscar Slatteris when you're younger, it, it, start, it can happen. Yeah. Yeah. Explain Ten Oscar Slatteris. Os not now. Just quickly. Can, I, can I explain it? You said? Yeah. Front Sorry. Knee. No, it's yeah. a, a growing injury. When you're growing, when you're growing pain, as a teenager, too much stress is a goal. Yeah. Could you spell right. it? I thought you said. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's I growing, couldn't spell it. It's growing pains. But it can re resurface again when, uh, when you're older. And that's yeah. what happened to me. Yeah. The tendon rege degenerates. It can come off the kneecap. Uh, happened to me playing for England. And it, it progressively got worse and worse. You manage it. You play with the pain. And then there's a point when you, you go too far. And yeah. they talked yeah. to me about injections and I dismissed it, didn't want to do yeah. it. And I had, a, a, I suppose, a career-saving injury yes. when I had it done. Many, I remember, remember you having the problem being in the, Japan, uh, the squad in 2002 yeah. and he was getting away with it. And when you're getting away with it, you think you can do that forever and at some point it, it goes wrong for you. Yeah. Now that uh, there's a lot of advancements in that particular injury, they take the nerve endings away and players can have that done. And it's, it's the hard grounds that bring that problem on. But you, you, you don't realise what you're doing to your body. I had the last four years, I was a player manager, but I got an infection. I had a cartilage operation and the infect, I got a hole in the bone, which had to weigh in the bone. There was nothing that could be done. I just had to get on with it. I played for Swindon and Chelsea as a player manager. But now <coughs> I am suffering. Just getting, getting upstairs. What, uh, really. but actually, commentary now, now Martin made suffer. a good point. You know, that injury is a weird injury because depending on the pitch, it could flare up. So if the pitch yeah. was really hard, it was yeah. awful. It was literally, you just couldn't even move. I remember we played Barcelona in the Champions League and we flew home. We must have been playing Chelsea. And I think we trained at QPR and we, in the stadium. And I stood on the pitch to warm up and my <coughs> knees ate. Mm. Killed me. Honestly. How does that affect you mentally? And I just remember thinking, why are my knees sore? Yeah. I, cu I couldn't understand it. I had played the day before. Yeah. I played a couple of days before. anti help. Yeah. Oh, massive, yeah. yeah. The, the, you can say that you almost treat yourself with an anti-inflammatory right. because you've had a little degree of pain in, in the training. It's a revelation, really. When I signed for, for Arsenal from Everton, Everton took two or three years of my medical history out of, of my medical report. What? Stuff on my knee, stuff on what? my back. So the, so the deal I was going went for through. regular injections in my back. Uh, Arrow Park Hospital in, in Liverpool. Yeah. And it was yeah. like, well, we were not going to pass a medical. And, and a miracle happened when I went to Arsenal. And every time I bumped into the club doctor from Everton, he would say, were you having a song? Did you do that deliberately <laughs> to get away? Because you paid 400 and nearly 450 games when you left us. Yeah. And I explained it to the club, I think, five years in. Where they, they, I used to have problems with my back and everything seemed to, seemed to disappear overnight. I changed my bed, I changed my car. Um, and the problems probably were linked. The, the problem with my knee disappeared and then the back had gone as well. But those, those are the sort of lengths. The, the, and I was on my own when I went to Arsenal. And if anything had gone wrong, it was going to be a difficult conversation that, for me to have with the club and say, look, I've got a problem with my back and I've always had it. Well, it's not in your medical. What was that comeback game like where you, where you lasted a short amount of time in the game? <sighs> look, it's such a long story. I mean, it's, I was out for so long, yeah. right? And uh, I was trying to manage my knee. It was still killing me. I was taking painkillers to train because I wanted to come back. I didn't want to. I didn't want to tell people how much my knee hurt because I just wanted to play. Mm -hmm. And then when I came back, I always say it's like a train that's not on the tracks. So I wasn't on the tracks anymore. So I started picking up muscle injuries. And I had a. Uh, I remember pulling up, feeling like I'd done Miami. So uh, in the end, I ended up starting the game at Old Trafford, mm -hmm. and I felt I had a tight dummy mm -hmm. before the game. And obviously I. I, I must have torn it and I played the start of the game because I thought I'm just going to get through the game I'm just going to play United fans were so excited to see me I was buzzing to be back and uh, I lasted I think the first 
I wasn't going to sprint. That's what I said to him. I'm not going to sprint because I knew I had a problem with Miami. So I thought, imagine this is a. So you'd already decided in the game you wouldn't be sprinting. Yeah, this is how much I wanted to play, right? I didn't want to oh. let the gaffer down because he picked me to start. Yeah. Um, I said I was feeling my hand, but I said, look, I'll, you know, I was going to start. Uh, I didn't want to let the fans down. There were 70,000 there, massive cheer. I think, right, I'll just, I'll, I'll just play. And, uh, and I, I didn't realise that it would affect it in a cross as well. Wes Brown's passed me the ball. I've tried to whip it and... Wow. Tore it. And then in the end, I was out for six weeks, which affected my rehab with my knee. And I, I never recovered from that. And I never you, did. You mentioned the fans there. Now that you can sit and reflect on it, and you know some Man United fans will go, "Oh, I mean, Argus, yeah, he was a sick note. He came to Old Trafford, never really happened for him." You know, I remember you telling me that your nickname was the Machine when you were a young lad coming through at Bayern and you know winning Champions Leagues at 18 or whatever. How do you now reflect on that? That some people have that perception of you as someone that just your body couldn't deal with it. Look, I was blessed. I had I had a lot of success. In the end, it, it, my life changed in the blink yeah. of an eye. It's gone. You know, you can't you can't get it back. No regrets. I had some great moments. I had some bad ones. That's life. You know, you got to roll with the punches. It's it's not the way I wanted to finish, but that's how it finished. That's okay. and that's life. Well, thanks for listening to this Premier League Tonight podcast. Next week, we'll be at Anfield as Liverpool look to maintain their quest for a top four place as they take on Newcastle. Make sure you join us then on BT Sport for a game which tends to provide plenty of goals. And if you enjoyed this week's show, please subscribe and leave a five-star review. Bye for now. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.